everyone. Welcome to the Hive Poetry Collective here on KSQD Santa Cruz and KSQT Prunedale. I'm your host today, Julia Chiapella, and the Hive Poetry Collective's mission is to bring a diverse community together in appreciation of all kinds of poetry by all kinds of people. We're glad to have you join us today. And I'm so happy to be talking today with poet and author, Gary Gawk. Gary is, um, he's got quite a few books out. Welcome, Gary. Howdy. <laughs> howdy, howdy, glad you could join us. Great to be and, here, Julia. Oh, it's great to have you. Uh, Gary has translated three books from the Korean by Ko Un, and please correct me if I've got these mispronounced. Uh, Ko Un with Brother Anthony of Taizai and Young Moo Kim. And he read from his American Book Award-winning anthology, What Book I, Buddha Poems from Beat to Hip Hop, at Poetry Santa Cruz, where we are recording today. And uh, we're recording in Santa Cruz, but not at Poetry Santa Cruz, which the Hive took over, and we're happy to be the legacy that Poetry Santa Cruz started. So uh, Gary is going to talk to us today about his 10th book, composed in collaboration with Irfan Mohib, who lives in Tehran. And he also hosts a weekly mindfulness sangha in San Francisco, where he teaches Zen at a local Jesuit university, University of San Francisco, correct? Right. Yeah. And he also swims in the bay. How's that swimming going? It's um, getting a little colder. I would think. But, but it's still uh, salubrious. And the news is the starfish are coming back on the piers. Oh, that's great to hear. Yeah. Good. But yes, I would imagine it's getting a little a little colder and I love that you use the word salubrious that was one of my dad's favorite words so I I love the sound that the sibilance of salubrious is terrific <laughs> good well one of the things we usually do uh, here on the hive is to start out with and and Gary's been very kind to agree to this is bring a poem or a work from another poet, another writer, to start off our show. Oh, and I should also say that the poems you're going to hear today, they're pebbles. I just saw Jane Hirschfield the other night here in Santa Cruz, and she talks about being having a lot of concision in her poetry, and she's starting to write what she calls pebbles. Right. So these are short, but they're packed. They're absolutely packed, which is such a tradition from the Persian lyrical poetry. So, but we're going to start in a, a little, a, another place. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm one, Gary, would you lead us off by letting us, giving us a little intro to this one that you brought, mm -hmm. reading that one? Yeah, this, uh, this comes from the sixth uh, sixth, sixth century, right? If I'm not mistaken, it's I think medieval. So. It's medieval, yeah. and it's 
translated into uh, our American speech or contemporary English. And it's four lines and it was probably sung and it has been adapted by numerous composers in our time. And um, I think it's one of the first poems I heard that grabbed me. Uh, you know, in school, we were kind of taught to hate poetry. I wandered lonely as a cloud, and we memorized those poems and recited them without any sense of what we were doing. And I didn't really relate to them. But this one, it just is so timeless. And uh, I don't want to talk about it. I, I, I'd rather just give a, a, an attempt of a reading. So it's untitled. And it goes like this. Western wind, when wilt thou blow? The small rain down can rain. Oh, if only my love were in my arms and I in my bed again. Gorgeous. Yeah, and, and says so much. Yeah. The Western wind, and you substituted, I think, oh, for Christ. Of course, this was, you know. The uh, translator from the medieval added Christ. I don't, I really don't speak it in the original, <clears throat> but I, that's a later uh, layering onto it. Um, yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah. Good ear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, and it's it's so interesting in doing the research that I did before we are speaking today in, in preparation oh. for talking with you. Just yeah. the whole sense of Christianity and the overlay of that with with some of these medieval or or Persian poets oh. and how how the beloved and God. Oh are so intermingled but of course appropriated often so this oh. just taught this this speaks to that appropriation that's a deep insight yeah yeah and, and also it's the music of it i mean you can see why so many people set it to music even in whatever form of uh, english it is the second line is just really strange you know, western wind when wilt thou blow first line the small rain down can rain. The rhythm and sense of that is a little beyond what you would call discursive, ordinary speech. And yet I get it. It sounds like somebody is imagining rain and thinking that the rain will rain and it can rain and it will rain down rain, the small rain. And small as that little adjective, like just the kind of thing that'll catch your eye in Chaucer or Shakespeare in the, Eng the English use of the monosyllables. Uh huh. The last two lines, you kind of go, well, who is this person? And you figure he's probably a soldier. 
he's or you know he's probably out there on a battlefield huddled under whatever protection he can find and miserable and and this may be his last thought <laughs> which be. to me is a test of poetry in that um if i were in a trench with my fellow soldiers and we were told that in uh 10 minutes we would uh take the hill we'd go out of our trench and charge um would i think of a poem and if i did what poem would i think of you're listening to the high poetry collective here at 90.7 K Squid in Santa Cruz at KSQT in Prunedale. And we're talking today, if you've just joined us, with Gary Gock, who's a um, whose book, Hafiz's Little Book of Life, we're talking about. Uh, it's coming out very soon. Uh, actually, we haven't quite gotten to talking about that yet, but we will. And it's coming out uh, soon from uh, Gary, who's publishing this again? Hampton Roads, Hampton. a division of Red Wheel Wiser. Okay, we'll have all of that information uh, on uh, our podcast when this gets posted. So people who are, are looking for that will be able to find it. I want to thank you so much for bringing that short little piece um, about- Thank uh, you for asking. Yeah, yeah. What a, what a delightful- um, you know, interview um, initiation. <laughs> it's a great one. Yeah, I know. It gets yeah. us kind of, at, it sets the stage, but yeah. it also broadens the view. So uh, that's, yeah. it's a nice, a nice the way stage. to start. Yeah. So yeah. let's, let's move to Hafiz. If you could read one of the ones that uh, you Ooh, selected sure. for today, um, we could yeah. just go through as, as you sent them to me or you could pick one of your choice yeah i'd be more than happy to dip from the book it has uh many 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 little um sort of fragments from hafez that are themselves broken into uh, poetic lines by the uh, iranian filmmaker abbas kiristami so we've translated um his a rendering and so these aren't really intact poems they're like little fractal um, uh, moments within his poetry and i'll read the one that begins the book between these two doors this caravan Just starting out with the word between. Oh, <laughs> yes. So and ending with a Persian word, caravan. Right? How does between, um, what do you hear in it as you, you it, it initiates the poem in your mind? Well, we're immediately set into this between world. We don't, ah, know, uh, we don't uh, know what's come before. We don't know what will come after. And we are in such, we are always 
in this liminal state before liminal state right. between what's come before us and what's after us we're in this moment that's between all that so and words are what come before or after our experience exactly yeah Talk and about what are the two doors <laughs> what are the two doors what what right. what would you say are the two I don't, you know he they he could just be saying you know we've we're embarking on a caravan we've gone through this gate here we are we're heading for another gate and here we are in this caravan caravan meaning a group of people wandering uh journeying in the desert mm -hmm. but you could also say uh in the front door out the back door as he says elsewhere that it's life you know we um, isa i think says how's how silly you know we're we we enter in one wash basin and we exit in another wash basin <laughs> <laughs> not to give it too much weight no right i i, I yeah. love that you know who was it that said what we're doing here is so serious um is so important that we can't take it seriously yeah um i think it was uh j gk chesterton uh, who uh, praise the angels for taking themselves lightly. That's right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Such an important skill to practice. And Hafiz does it so well. Oh, yeah. Another one who did that was Chopin. Mm. And he used to, the, his students all said the one word he used the most was lightly. Lightly. No need yeah. to beat us over the head with it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that goes for poetry, too. I'm I'm wondering, you know, thinking about this, this book that has been so well put together as I've been sitting with it for the last several days, oh, Gary, with the, mm. the introduction uh, by Ari and the foreword, which I'm, uh, or the forewords by Ari and the introduction is by, uh, did you write the Oh, so yeah, Ari Harnivar, who is today celebrating the first anniversary of her book, A Girl Called Rumi. Lovely. Um, she she wrote a beautiful foreword. And uh, the future is feminine. So we were very glad to have her on that level, too. And then um, the book starts off uh, with introductions rather than introduction. And the first line is, have you met Hafez? So we're introducing uh, for people who know and for people who don't know who uh, Hafez is and um, who wrote it. <laughs> Listen, this book was such a collaboration. Well, I get that from from everything that all the um, expositional pieces that are in here. Yeah. Um, and it it it's like you can't no one no one person can claim authorship of this that's that's why i love collaborating in and of itself and in this case well i'll just tell you um we were invited to do uh i was trying to sell a, another book of a contemporary activist uh sufi uh from tehran and the publisher said no but we're looking for someone to bring us a hafez and i said to my partner that i'd worked with uh erfan mojib in tehran uh for five years by email 
we've been invited to do Hafez. I know he's untranslatable. And he showed me the Abbas Kiristami. And I said, wow. And I said, look, let's share a Google Doc and Google Duo. And he'd never done that before. And so he, he goes to the Google page and I'm making a word 12 point, 14 point, 18 point, 20, 28 point. I'm making it different fonts. I'm highlighting it in yellow. And he, you, his jaw had to be glued back to the top of his mouth. And once we got going, it was impossible to claim uh, me and mine because he knows Hafez inside and out. And for me, it was like outside in. <laughs> you know? And it was like, you know, a dragon in a cloud. It's hard to separate the two. And, and, and that, you know, it lends so much to this book, I think. But what, well, why don't you read another one before okay. we... Before we go on, okay. and, I, and I'll I, if I bef I'll preface this by by commenting that up until now, people who know of Hafez in English tend to think of him as in terms of his being a Sufi or Sufi related poetry. And the book starts there's five sections, and the first is the world, and there's a healthy dose of his um, speaking truth to power and uh, condemning hypocrisy and also praising what could be so this whole dialectic of somebody who's very engaged in society which i think it's lost in in most of the translations so here's one i wonder if I, tell me if i should read any of these twice because they're not only so nice but they're so brief okay um from shore to shore, the armies of tyranny rule. Yet, from before the dawn of time until after eternity is the domain of the holy beggars. And that one from shore to shore, yeah, from before the dawn of time. So we have all these where Hafez is, and I was mispronouncing that earlier. Where mm -hmm. Hafez, you use it, you're you're you, parenthetically. Uh, yeah, you're, the book uses his Arabic name, which is Hafiz. His name is Hafez. But he's so widely translated and known by the Arabization. The publisher chose Hafez, and there's a little note in the beginning saying that that's what it is. Mm -hmm. but Hafez is actually correct. So yeah. from shore to shore, from before the dawn of time. We have those where, where he's locating us in time. He's placing us with that preposition, though, that is so abstract in a way <laughs> well it could so the one is place and the other is time and from shore to shore some people have translated as border to border and that's a later interpretation he just says shore and that says so much because elsewhere when he refers to love he uses the same word and he says love has no shore 
so it the it, the the poems speak to each other too so right. he locates us from shore to shore which is to say everywhere the armies of tyranny rule and then yet which is one line one word it's like isa and yet yet and then this is this just clobbers my mind from before the dawn of time until after eternity that's the domain of the dervishes and i sometimes use sometimes we use the persian word and we do elsewhere and sometimes we'll use a english equivalent so why did you decide to use holy beggars here instead of dervishes just understandability you know, I'd have to go back to see where we chose Dervish <laughs> instead and why yeah. this one yeah. got holy beggars. I, you yeah. know, it's um, yeah. maybe also because of the uh, rhythm and the, the 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 ability for the holy beggars to have a dying fall to mm -hmm. um, um, sum up all that came before it, mm -hmm. whereas Dervishes might have been too quick. Yeah. To for an ending that that encompasses um, time and space in the in a grandest sense, but it, there is that idea of going from the vast and the unknown and the unnameable to the uh, particular human, very Sufi. Yes. <laughs> and I I wanna I wanna switch here just briefly to the topic of musicality. Yeah. Which. Is is part of what Hafez was so well known for, and yet I would think would be an incredible challenge in the translation. How did you work with that? We provide an appendix, which has several parts. No, it's actually afterwards with several parts, and one of them are five phoneticizations of uh, Persian. Uh, with uh, underlining, highlighting in gray, bolding to show how much polyrhythms and harmonic uh, registers are occurring within just a few lines. And my comment on that, I mean, how did we do it? I, uh, we're not trying to make a line by line equivalent. You know, to me, that's that's a paraphrase. Um, to me, the reason I'm really glad you brought it up is because um, music is of the elements in poetry, the, the, the imagery, the thought, the music. It's the one that, one, doesn't translate the easiest, and two, is really the one, to my mind, upon which the imagery and the thought rest, are based so in order to understand the imagery and understand the thought, we listened to the music of how he did that and then tried to come up with an uh, equivalent. I think that's just a great way to enter into the translation because music, music allows us, and it's the musicality, and of course, so much of poetry was oral for right, so right, many right. centuries. Right, right, right. Uh, and, and it just gives us a different kind of entry into what's trying to be said, trying to make the invisible visible. Mm, good point. And yeah. then too, you know, Chaucer 
he was a contemporary of Chaucer, sorry, not Chaucer, Dante, a few, little bit later, took about two centuries to be known in Europe because it was written and you had to make a pilgrimage and copy a copy in a monastery where it was chained to the desk and take another, take your copy to your and so forth and so on, whereas Hafez was known throughout the Persian Empire and the Persian speaking world in his lifetime because they were sung. The power of music, the power of song. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, fabulous, fabulous. You're listening to uh, the, the High Poetry Collective here at KSQD Santa Cruz and KSQT Prunedale. We're talking today with Gary Gock, and I am your host, Julia Chiapella. All right, let's 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 have another. Let's have oh, another. Can I, uh, if I may, I'd like to um, uh, try reading a poem next to another poem as they occur on the page, because I was mentioning how they kind of talk to each other. Um, here's, um, for example, I behold hundreds of thousands of flowers, yet no bird sings. Where have all the birds gone? And what happened to the nightingales? Once this was a city of friends in a land of kind people. What happened to the love? And where are the compassionate leaders? Mm, I think that one we need to hear again yeah there there's it's really two but they're right next to each other and and, they, and it's laid out a little bit differently than you read it on the page oh you should mention the the poems are laid out on the page not in a you know the column the, the male you know column they're uh they, it's like Mallarmé in 1897 they dance across the page and that was a collaboration with a great typographer, Catherine Skypeck, who is not only a typographer, but a dancer. Um, yeah, I'll read it again. I behold hundreds of thousands of flowers, yet no bird sings. Where have the birds all gone? And what happened to the nightingales? Once this was a city of friends in a land of kind people. What happened to the love? And where are the compassionate leaders? Such a time, timeless poem. We continue to have this sentiment over and over and over again with brief periods of peace, but it, there, it's as true today as it was when Hafez wrote this. Yeah. And here's so another. Well, go ahead. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. ahead. Well, well, it just while we're on that roll, and I'll take two more uh, that are less similar, but they, they there's a link. Mm. Those preachers who appear glorious in pulpits and on platforms. Yet in private, act totally the opposite. Don't they, though? <laughs> they do what they do. 
They do they what do they, they want to do. We're going to um, stop here just for a second, Gary. You're yeah, listening yeah. to the Hive Poetry Collective here at KSQD Santa Cruz and KSQD Prunedale, 89.5, 89.7, and 90.7 FM. Also online at ksqd.com. I'm your host, Julia Chiapella, and we're talking today to Gary Gawk, who has put together a book along with several others that he has collaborated with called Hafez's Little Book of Life. You can follow the Hive Poetry Collective at Hive Poetry on Twitter or at the Hive Poetry Collective on Facebook. Our website can be found at hivepoetry.org and you'll also find all our radio shows archived there so you can listen at any time. Um, any any place you get your podcast should feature the Hive Poetry Collective. If you'd like to receive our tri-yearly newsletter, please go to hivepoetry.org and subscribe and we'd love to tell you what we're up to. So yes, those preachers. Let's let's bookend that little station ID with another reading of that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, those preachers who appear glorious on pulpits and platforms, yet in private, act totally the opposite. You know, what struck me immediately after reading this one was the use of the word totally, because it's, yeah. it's such a contemporary word. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he has a, a, a gift for levels of language that include pure colloquial um, with uh, the, some of the most elegant uh, turns of classical uh, phrasing and everything in between <laughs> it's just this yeah. has been probably the greatest book i've ever and will have the honor to work on ah that's what a what a gift that was a gift is the word um but talking about hafez's mm. use of language and also his intellect but his his mm. refutation of using that in any kind of glorious elevating self-elevating sense oh. he also used puns and i'm wondering how you approach that if you if you can give an example is there any place where that not i can't think of one yeah did yeah. you do you remember any well this is what i i mean i know we i tried some like uh the Ruby in the marketplace gets so incensed at all the shenanigans that it has a heart attack. It's a Ruby, you know, but it, 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 that was, a, it pushed it, it pushed it. I pushed the envelope too far. I don't, I can't remember if I didn't, we did any puns. Do you? Mm -hmm. uh, no, and I'm trying to remember where I read that, and I didn't write it down, unfortunately. So I think there was an example someplace um, of a pun that was used in one of his his works, and just trying to do that. So I would imagine that that would be incredibly challenging. Oh, he, the, he puns in Persian like yes. crazy. Yes. But to capture it in English, 
I think was like, uh, forget about it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, that, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, so yeah, that yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. was one of my questions. Oh well. yeah, no, he's <laughs> a he's a sublime punster. Yeah, um, and rhymester and trickster. And also with that comes this trickster. He has a person in his personality. When we think of Hafez as this equivalent of a avatar like Da Vinci or Goethe or whatever, um, part of his persona is that sense of like he'll push boundaries and go beyond them in the name of the beloved or poetry or call it what you will. Yeah, that 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 this whole legacy that he is part of, as as what is kind of known as antinomian against law, and the Theosophists, but later on, and and a lot of the Christians were antinomians too. They wanted, and it's this whole thread of trying to get to something that's beyond what we experience in life. What's that, what's that in our deepest? what's in the deepest part of us, what's in our heart and how we can make, how we can make life be like what's in our heart. And I think you have, you have something that references that in the book and in some of the afterward aspects of it. Um, I'm wondering if obviously this is what makes him an ecstatic poet. Uh, well, I, there's a, there's, there's a section of the book of ecstasy. I would frame it like this. I put, I locate him easily for anybody who's kind of half aware that there's a tradition that runs, as you say, antinomian, that runs underneath the establishment of the current times. And in spirituality, that's um, the Christian fathers, the Gnostics, like the Gospel of Thomas, in Judaism, it's the Hasids starting with the Baal Shem Tov, in Islam, it's the Sufis. Although we don't really have a record of Hafez ever really being a member of any Sufi organization or having a Sufi master or any of that. And I don't think it matters because in all of these traditions, oh, the other one, another one is Zen in Buddhism, where they just are kind of like, if everything is a reform of the previous the Catholic, the Roman Catholic, the Roman Catholic Church is a ref, is a reform against the Orthodox Church. Then the Protestant churches are a reform of the Orthodox of the Catholic, and that uh, this this underground kind of uh, antinomian, if you will, uh, current, it goes back to time immemorial. They share such common roots that uh i think the ecstasy is just naturally part of it because it's it's not it's not just happiness it's beyond a grief or happiness and so we call it ecstasy because ecstasis takes us out of ourselves. and where hafez goes and he locates where he goes when he's outside of himself and you can see it's just uh he's taking all the tradition around him that's present and making it new, making it alive, making it something else. And an example, and an example I give in the book, there's two, they're musical. One is a Charlie Parker, Bird, who 
tragic as his life was, you know, he died at 34 and the coroner said, this is the body of a 54 year old. But throughout his life, people said, yeah, Bird was the happiest guy I knew. I mean, you couldn't deny him if he wanted to borrow money because he was such a pleasurable guy. He was so happy all the time. Is that, well, get, I'm yeah, only half getting at your question because it is, I definitely. think you're pointing to a realm beyond words. Yes. Which yes. is at another, it's at the crux of the question in another way. It is. And um, that's why poetry, of course, even though it's comprised of words, it tries to in, invoke this world beyond words. That's where we, that's where we're, we use poetry to exactly. To, yeah. Um, speak, whether it's Lao Tzu, which is a poem called the Tao Te King, or Jesus, who is a poem in Aramaic, and so forth. Well, could could you read, uh, you have some here of these uh, examples from the book that I think speak to that, to Hafez, that I contemplated, I think is is talking specifically about that. On the bottom of 161 page, there's just one poem. It says, I watched while my soul escaped from my body. Turn the page. I contemplated the green fields of heaven and the sickle of the new moon. I remembered what I had sown and the season of harvest soon. Hafez is really trying to tell us this experience in the moment by the poet that takes place between birth and death. And then we're, we're always in that space, of course, between those two, those two doors in the caravan. <laughs> mm -hmm. but, but this mm -hmm. one also, takes us to the beyond to outside of of our language he goes the way i where i put it is is what he sees when he left his body when his soul left his body um it, it occurs somewhere else in a context but the thing is in in his poetry one couplet doesn't necessarily follow the next is why i invoke charlie parker because he's just uh constantly opening up a new door with every with every new new couplet well and we should we should talk about the ghazal too because <laughs> that's that's what was what hafez was working in and so much of that form those couplets can stand on their own they they come together in a strangely related way but they can all stand on their own uh, true except he was arguably the first to try that where you could some of his it's just they're all like uh they're all of a piece and you understand from the beginning and end that it's a theme and variations and they all hang together but many many of his uh lyrics don't it's just he's he posits a he goes off into b then it's a rocket ship then it's a cathedral then we're in the desert um, and, and they're on so many different planes of thought and imagery. And yet the commentators all get a sense that, oh, that's what this whole thing is about. That he's constellated it in such a larger picture 
using the gazelle form that uh it's just in, it's incredible i when i use the example of charlie parker for those who don't know lester young if you had a uh a 45 L, uh, record and you played it on and a record player at the speed of 78 that's what charlie parker sounds like that's or vice versa if you take a 78 of charlie parker and slow it down it kind of sounds like you know lester young on a 30 on a on an lp <laughs> and i in a way that's what hafez is doing with the gazelle and in his day that the gazelle was like a form for a competition just like folk singers will swap lyrics, but sometimes they'll try to outdo each other. He was in situations where, you know, in the court or in the public sphere, and he would, he'd trump everybody with, you know, he'd be- His virtuosity. Several orders of magnitude higher. Yeah, virtuosity would be the word. But I'm, I'm wondering, Gary, you know, that, that there's been so many translations of Hafez and I mean, Bly's done him and yeah. Gertrude Bell way back yeah. and yeah. Uh, lots of people. Um, a lot of that it, through the eyes of the Euro-American lens. So in your translation that all of you did, and of course, uh, the filmmaker. Um, Abbas Kiristami. Thank you. And Ari is also Iranian, right? So you have the added benefit i think of having these people look at the translations through their eyes but in listening to you talk about hafez and his virtuosity and his almost the polymath that he brought to writing yeah, yeah, yeah. was your intention partially to try and capture that with this translation to add something different all the translation that's been done of his work what's setting yours apart how is yours different i so you know we don't call them translations even um we just say hafez made new and they're inspired by selections from abbas kiristami there's one example of a complete gazelle in the back translated by Elizabeth T. Gray and uh, her partner, translation partner. Um, we've we've done something different uh, because he's untranslatable. I didn't want to translate Gazelles at all by Hafez. It would just be like people have tried and failed and, and untranslatable is his middle name. And then when we saw Abbas Kiristami's approach, which is like a filmmaker looking at close-ups and taking the close-up and editing it into a little movie unto itself. We said, aha. And then the next phase is so, and the publisher said, that's okay. So then the next thing was we couldn't have one poem or a little short brief poem per page. So it became a question of making arrangements of um, these little jewel-like gems that uh, in my mind, holds together as an entire work. It's broken into five parts. There's the Garden of the World, as we I kind of started with. Then he goes to wine, because uh, if you know enough about the world, you'll go to the, the bar. But that's also introducing the element where in Hafez, um, 
wine could be literal wine or it could be uh the wine the spirit contained in a in a vessel and then it goes into love which is the largest part of the book where it's like the song of songs you can't separate the physical and the divine sometimes you do sometimes you don't and from there it goes into wisdom and then the capper is ecstasy it's like a symphonic five-part structure that we used you're listening to the high poetry collective here at casewid ksqd santa cruz 90.7 fm and ksqt prunedale 89.5 i'm your host julia Chiapella, and today we are talking with gary gock about his book that's soon to be out that was crafted with the help of several others focusing on the work of hafez called hafez's little book of life so we're back and thank you for giving me this opportunity you know this is the first interview i've done oh good good <laughs> since i've been inside the book now i can talk outside so the next phase was i listened to persian music classical persian music i mean to go back, not uh, Arfan knows these by heart as mo as any Persian does. Um, so I had an inner, I had an in on the Persian working with somebody uh, face to face, uh, colloquial, not just writing back and forth. We, you know, we we shared that um, uh, intimacy very well. And then when we, it was a time come time to arrange, the the rubric for arranging these um little gems if you will was sort of the way persian music has a certain um build a counter rhythm uh, a release into then another kind of new almost completely different format within the same tune or section and then the 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 capper was as we're putting these, you know, we have all these little pieces of paper and how do you put them together in a, on pages? And are, are, they, uh, are they triangles? Are they squares? Are they go, do they go, and do they go back and forth across the left-hand and right-hand page? Well, 1896, Stefan Mallarmé did that. He said, yeah, you don't need to have left page not talk to the right page. So we use the double spread as the unit rather than as the single page. So the left hand, right hand is a unit. And then when you turn the page, you have a new unit. <laughs> so for me, it was just a glorious opportunity to think of unity in terms of the particularities and how vice versa, you know, the ocean is in the drop. The, the drop is the whole ocean. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well said. Thank Simple, you. but so true, especially with this. Um, I'm thinking we need another one. You want to read another one? I have become the night watchman of the heart's shrine tonight, all night long i have become the night watchman of the heart's shrine tonight all night long 
There's so much in that one. So we're, I'm now improvising with a drummer for the, um, the launch event. And when we were through improvising the first set, he said, why is he the night watchman? Isn't he one with the beloved? And I'm saying, this is Sufism. This is the recognition that we may not be one with the beloved, but if we are, we might have that chance just for one night. We might we might just be the guardian of her door. We might be the dust at her doorstep. Uh, you want to hear one more? Um, well, I want to we talk about or? that within. Oh the, yeah, yeah. Well, if we have time, context, I'm happy to. Sorry. Yeah, I want to talk about that within the context of um, mm -hmm. the beloved and what that signifies and how it's been somewhat um, constrained, I think, in the cult, European, Euro-American culture. Um, but in the East as well? Go ahead. So, 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 so I'd love to hear you talk about because I think also, even in, uh, of course, Goethe was a, a big fan of Hafez. And so, German Romanticism, I'm thinking about the way that played out and how much do you think that sensibility, which is so different from what we consider the romantic in the United States, how was that or was it? part of the legacy of the Persian lyrical poets? That's like two questions. Can I pick one? Yeah, pick one. <laughs> I, I, I teach about how Buddhism changes um, through the German enlightenment and, and thus romanticism. And you've given me a lot of food for thought. Um, and I'm not going to open my crazy mouth and try and say that I have and answer to your connection. I think you're onto something that I look forward to following up on. Um, in the sense of the beloved as being um, not as appreciated, shall we say, or just less appreciated. You know, the word philosophy, philosophia is the love of wisdom, and Sophia is the feminine. In other languages too this is in prajnaparamita in buddhism and all over so much of the time we're hearing of the philosopher who doesn't get the girl and he's the woeful story but well it's like this and this is the way it could be and hafez seems to be writing from experience and it again it's it's something that is not necessarily uh, something we can live as human beings in total oneness 24 by 7 realistically and so he said well I'm the night watchman sometimes you know sometimes I get the girl sometimes I'm the night sometimes I get it sometimes I'm just observing it yeah right yeah. I mean he but there's that that sense that he has been around that track he's been through that rodeo in every way, shape, or form. And I think that's one way that he becomes a divinatory, an oracle uh, for people in Persia who'll just open them up, put their finger on a line, and boom, he speaks to them. 
Yeah, he's, can... he's done that with me. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's that's a good point to make because I'm not sure our listeners know how. Right. I mean, some of them I'm sure probably do, but no, 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 no. How how popular Hafez is in Persia? How important? How his book is the divan of yeah. Hafez is in yeah. every home and people will ask questions like almost like using fortune cookies in a way or or um or the Dao Du Jing or or the I Ching or the I Ching I should say except that's only one of the aspects they'll they'll play a game on New Year's where you have to you 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 take turns and somebody will quote a line and somebody has to quote a line beginning with the last word of the previous line I mean this is like what Hebrew scholars do when they yeah. understand the Torah in 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 the literal, um, and what a legacy for Hafez, whose name means the memorizer, because yeah. he memorized the Quran. He could recite. Not only could he recite the Quran, but he knew all the different modes of recitation which is like all the different uh, tunes that it could be recited to. Um, and he and he knew all the Persian poets up to his time. He's occasionally quoting Rumi or whoever um, and the poets of his own time. So, uh, yeah, he was um, in Persia. They, they say, you know what? The Americans are so interested in Rumi. Well, we like Rumi. We like Sadi. We like Attar. We like Ferdowsi. But Hafez is our guy. That, he's, that, our, he's number you know, one. That leads me to another question. We just have a few minutes left, and I I really want you to be able to read this last one before we we wind up today. Sure. But but my last question, if maybe you can give just you know a minute or two to, is about why that's the case in the United States that Rumi has become so much more popular. Oh, you know, I don't know. It was the right time, right place. It was a certain time and a certain place. Um, and uh, a brilliant poet, uh, Coleman Barks, who uh, did his homework studying with uh, Bawa, a great Sufi master, and was given the uh, impetus by Robert Bly to uh, work on Rumi. Um, you know, like, when Rumi became popular, which is to say the most popular poet in English in America for almost a decade, you know, um, it was the same time as Mary Oliver, for example. So if we look in context, it's a time when people are making the sacred real for themselves. And poetry is breaking away from um, the, uh, or rather it's returning to um, its roots as devotional poetry, which had been stagnant since uh, the Industrial Revolution, certainly. And in a sense, actually, since the Renaissance. So it was just kind of a whole confluence of a zeitgeist that made Rumi in translations by Coleman Bark um, just this amazing phenomenon. Yeah. 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 Thanks. That's a that's a great a great explanation for that and i love the the I, we do always exist in in a confluence of events so it really is 
what comes up, what bubbles up according. And then too, there's the, the absolute dimension, you know, it's like, why haven't we heard Rumi by now? You know, it's, it's, there's the historical dimension and also the fact that Rumi is like this timeless um, font of uh, deep wisdom. Well, I'm glad you're bringing Hafez to us with this little book and that's little, little in some aspects, but it's a very it's the size of a snail's horn. You can get really through it in, in terms an hour. Of divine. Yeah, you can get through it in an hour. I, you know, it's very, it's very easy to read, but it is so rich, and and I'm very glad that you have provided us along with Ari and and um, Irfan. Irfan. Thank you to them. Um, I think I'm hoping you'll close with this last one. Which one would you like? That's no surprise. Oh, okay. No surprise if in seventh heaven, lyrics composed by Hafez and sung by Venus entice jesus to dance i think that one just sums up the whole sensibility of hafez thank you so much gary julia well, it's been a pleasure a privilege and a heavenly delight uh, thank you for delight. inviting me to the hive yes yes we'll, we'll share the buzz so thank you so much. Thank you so much. And thank you listeners for joining us today to talk with Gary Gock about his new book, along with other collaborators called Hafiz's, Hafez's Little Book of Life. And you can find out more information about that book in the podcast. Thank you and have a lovely day. Yeah.